1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of all ages um, of whom I am chief. And so Christ came into the world not just to live a morally good life, but to uh, die on the cross for our sins. And I reckon we can get tired of hearing that. Not really so much tired as we can get to where it just goes in one ear and out the other. It becomes unmeaningful to us, and whereas it should. Uh, why Jesus came as a man this morning, and it really does matter that we understand that Jesus came as a man. Uh, in fact, uh, in John's time, um, who was the last living apostle, he lived long enough after Jesus' death and resurrection to run into people who said that Jesus did not have a physical body. That physical body, anything having to do with a body is sinful or wrong or it just is bad. And John even writes, he says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come to the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come to the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now is already is in the world. And so if someone denies that Jesus had an earthly body, then they are not being guided. They are not being led by the Holy Spirit. The fact that Jesus uh, came into the world um, has a lot of meaning. In fact, uh, Martin Luther said this, the mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into our flesh, is beyond all our human understanding. Now, to not be able to understand it and to deny its existence are two different things. Sort of like the Trinity. I see scriptural uh, proof for the Trinity, but to ask me to explain it just perfectly, I cannot. Uh, they are very God. Jesus was very God. He was very man. The Holy Spirit is God, and God the Father, of course, is God. But the fact that Jesus came to man, his incarnation, that um, is just amazing. The fact that Jesus came into this world signifies, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. So of all the things that God the Father, of all the different ways Jesus may could have come into the world, he sent, he was sent with a body. And I love it. One commentator said this is a conversation he had right before he left heaven to come to earth. Right before he left heaven, this is a conversation he had with God the Father. You have sent me. You've prepared a body for me. I'm going now to fulfill your will. And it's wonderful that he did. Um, 
That Jesus came into the world signifies His preexistence. That He came into the world. Jesus was alive. And this is something I hope that we know. We all know that Jesus was alive before He came to earth as a little baby. Not just in the nine months up until the time that He was born. But Jesus has always existed. And He always will exist. We, I hope we get that because the fact it says that He came into the world. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. Each of us, we were born into the world, but Christ came from another place. He came from heaven. Um, and then, wherefore, he, he, when He cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And I love this. And we're going to get into it a little later on. That word prepared means to, to fit right. You know, you ever go somewhere, maybe on a holiday, or you go camping, you try to make sure you've got everything that you need. You say, check, check, check. You try to hit your list of things you, you, you need to take with you. Well, when the Lord, when God the Father sent Jesus into this world, He prepared him. He gave him everything he needed. And that's the idea of the word prepared. He gave him, what did he prepare him with? He prepared him with a body. He gave him a body so that he might live uh, like we live and be one of us. Uh, speaking of his preexistence, um, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. This is his preexistence. The world was made by him. He's always been. Um, this next uh, verse I'm going to give you, uh, if you can imagine him talking to the religious leaders, and they're quite getting upset at him in the first place. They know who he is. And he says this, he says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And you know what they understood him to be? They understood that he was saying with this verse that he was before Abraham. Abraham rejoiced to see his day. And when he said that he lived during Abraham's time, what did they do? They tried to kill him. They understood that he was saying that he has always been. Um, not only was he preexistent, but he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. And I realize this stuff is uh, elementary, maybe. But you know what? I think we need reminding of this stuff. The fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. And really in every context that that word virgin is used in, the idea is that a, a woman who has not had sexual relations with a man. And this was a sign given to one of the uh, Israeli leaders at the time. And, um, but it came to pass and with Mary and Joseph. Behold, a virgin shall be with a child 
and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So what does the name Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. But the fact is that she was a virgin. She had never known a man. In fact, when the angel says, you're going to have a baby, what did she say? She said, "Uh uh-uh, I can't. Joseph and I are just engaged. We're, we're not, we can't do that stuff yet. And, and the, the Lord said, well, just calm down. It's okay. I'll, I'll explain. And then, and it says in verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So they went ahead and got married, but they didn't have sexual relations until after the birth of Christ. How important is it that Jesus or that Mary was virgin born? How important was it that Mary was virgin? Mary's virginity protected uh, something much more important than her own morality and reputation. It ensured the deity of Christ and supported the veracity of His works and teaching as the Son of God. Now, if you'll think about it, Mary's uh, reputation, uh, it was sort of questionable to some people because uh, they may not believe the story. Uh, But had Jesus been conceived by natural means with Joseph or anyone else as his father, he would not have been God and would not have been a true Savior of sinners. And so Jesus... To describe him as a son, as a, as a human, he was the son of a virgin. Next, he was born into the family of David. Uh, God had promised King David that one of his heirs would reign forever. And if you look at the two uh, lines of the lineage, um, you'll see that he is from um, David's family. Not only that, he was, he was born uh, to relatively poor parents. He was born to relatively poor parents. Joseph and Mary presented their baby Jesus at the temple with two turtle doves. Because they couldn't afford a lamb, uh, doves and pigeons uh, were acceptable. And you know, really, you know, we're going to get into why this is important in a little bit, but the fact that Jesus was born to relatively poor parents, um, you know, it really, instead of making sure that Jesus had a wonderful place to be born in, he let the Lord Jesus be born in where? In a stable. He let his... Uh, mom and stepdad be relatively poor people because really all they had was a couple of turtle doves and if they had had money they'd they'd offered a lamb and so really it's wonderful i mean i hope we've got plenty of people here with plenty of money you know what if you're one of those people that don't have money or lots of it you know it's really okay and I hope that you don't look at people that have lots of money and say, well, I wish I was like them because if you don't, the Lord, you're closer to the Lord. He didn't have 
Lots of money. Didn't have that background. The next thing I want you to notice is that he was born into a spiritually discouraging environment. Uh, He was born into a spiritually discouraging environment. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. We'll just stop there. He's a root out of dry ground. You know what that gives the idea of? It's just all barren around it. And yet that that plant is still finding nutrients. And Isaiah said that the Lord Jesus is like that. He is like a root in dry ground. You know what? There's, There's times when we have folks that come to church and this is the only time that they are around Christians all week long. This is it. And lots of us, when we get to work, we're not around people that love the Lord and that care for the Lord. But you know what? I'm I'm tickled. What excites me about this is that the Lord Jesus, He was a root and dry ground. He, He lived among a spiritually discouraging people and land. And yet He grew. And you know, sometimes you see people that grow up in church and they have Christian mums and dads and for whatever reason, they don't grow in their relationship with the Lord. And then sometimes you have people that that don't have any encouragement at home. In fact, you could say that they have discouragement. Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you always going to church? Why are you doing these Christian things? And yet those are the people who grow and who who seek the Lord that much more. Sometimes we say, you know, I do a lot better with, with lots of encouraging people around me. And you know what? Really, we should be encouraging one another. But if at home we don't have that encouragement, Look to Him. Because He is that. He is that. He wants to help. I love what this one person said. They said, never lose hope. There's always a way. Got to keep trusting Him. Got to keep following Him. The last thing I want to look at right now is Jesus was born, you know, He was born from, He had poor parents. He he had a spiritually discouraging environment. And then he was not incredibly physically attractive. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. Stop. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should behold him. In God's preparing Jesus, Him fitting Him with everything He needed to do His mission on earth, He fitted Him with 
poor parents. He fitted him. He gave him a people around him besides Mary and Joseph that really didn't care for the Lord much. It was very barren around. It was not encouraging. And then the Lord didn't give Jesus the best physical looks. Really, yeah, let me let me just say a description of him as a man. Last thing. Last thing I want you to notice is that in fitting him up, he let him be a man. You ever get tired? Do you ever you ever get sleepy? Do you ever get hungry? Do you ever have people make fun of you? Do you ever have difficulties? Well, God the Father fitted Jesus as a man. In fact, He became tired. He became hungry. And you know what? Well, who's He sounding like more and more? Well, yeah, we get tired. We get hungry. In fact, we're, we're going to see later on. Let me show you this verse. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour. He was absolutely exhausted. But I can't imagine being on a boat and I'll, I'll, we'll look at that later. I can't imagine being on a boat that's getting ready to sink and being so tired. Can you imagine being on a boat that's rocking so much the wind's that bad and the disciples doing everything they can to keep the boat from, from sinking and being so tired that you feel like I mean, that, you, that you sleep right through it. Well, that's the Lord. That's Him. And you know what? When Jesus becoming a man I need you to go away. Really, the main point is that Jesus came, He became a man to die on the cross instead of us in our places. Instead of suffering, instead of us having to pay our price for our sin, He was willing to. But notice that when the Lord Jesus became a man, God equipped Him with the things that He needed. He didn't give him the best looks. He didn't give him lots of money. He didn't give him the best background. But he was with him always. And you know, I think, you think about you, you think about me, the Lord has equipped us, each one of us, with what we need to serve Him to do as he says in Hebrews 10. He says, I am come to do thy will, O Lord. He doesn't say, Lord, I'd have done you will if you'd have given me more money. Lord, I'd have done your will if you'd have given me better health. Lord, I'd have done your will if you'd have made everybody else be good around me. He didn't say that. He says he's here to do the Father's will. So, whatever situation, circumstances, I, I hope that we remember Jesus' birth, 
his death, his resurrection. But when we think about our own lives because of his death and resurrection, his birth, death, and resurrection, he's equipped us with everything we need. Now, all the other things that you throw in there, whether you're poor or rich, or, or whether you're, uh, you, th- you think you're physically attractive or not, or, or whether you have the best family background, or whether you, you have people that are around you that just smash you for believing in God. Well, none of that stopped the Lord Jesus from, from doing what He was supposed to do. So, can we say that? Can we this Christmas say, you know what? I'm not going to accept the excuses. I'm going to follow the Lord no matter what. I'm going to follow Him. 